It is Gardening Talk back for this Monday afternoon, and we've got Heather from Cameron Park. How are you, Heather? Good Good afternoon. How are you? That's good. you got some problems with your azaleas. Yes, I have. It's got like a, I don't know if it's a leaf blight or something. It's sort of pale in the middle, yellowy-looking, pinkish, and it's got like a lacy pattern on it. Would it be a mite or a fungal disease in it? Like rust or something? So, Heather, that sounds more likely to be a mite problem. You can also get azalea lace bug on azaleas as well. And when you turn it over, yeah. uh, you might notice that there's all little sort of black dots all over the back of the leaves. Yeah, like little rust spots or something. Yeah, yeah that, that's that, that's sort of what they look like. It's actually the poo of the lace bug, you know. Okay. I, I, know, yep. I don't like to be confronting here on a Monday morning. And, <laughs> oh, that's all right. We're talking about <laughs> <laughs> But that's what it is. Yeah, I guess it is lunchtime. Uh, that's what it actually is. Uh, yep. So you need to use either Confidor to get rid of those. Right. Uh, you can use insect and mite killer as well. Okay. Uh, so you, you can get downy mildew or powdery mildew on azaleas, and that actually just looks like a sort of a white furry no, stuff. No, no. It's not that. It's definitely this other thing you're talking about. So you think it's a mite? I, I'd say it'd be a mite or it'd be the azalea lace bug. Now, when you go and, and grab something, if you haven't got the confidor or the insect amicula, take a couple of the leaves with you just so that uh, you know the garden centre you're buying it from can confirm that's exactly what it is. But it sounds that sounds what it like it's going to be. And do I need to pull off the leaves that are affected uh, before I spray it or do I just spray the whole thing? I'd spray the whole thing. Now, often when those leaves are damaged, they won't uh, you know, come back. They won't repair themselves in any way. But the fact that the leaves are there, these sprays that I've recommended are systemic, so they actually yes. suck the poison into in through the leaf system of the plant and that's what kills the, uh, kills the insect when it goes and feeds off it again. So leave those leaves on there. Oh, that was pretty good of me saying that. Leave those leaves <laughs> on there. And uh, that'll suck in the poison and allow it to do its job. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Okay, not a problem, Heather. Thank you. Bye. Here's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. If you do have any questions for Scott Sharp, give us a call on 49216216. We've got Sylvia of Bonnells Bay. How can we help you, Sylvia? Um, I'd like to ask you, I have a problem with cholera. Yes. Um, I had a gardener for two years because I haven't been well. And I noticed, unfortunately, he's done some dreadful things and I've been trying to rectify them. And I've got to the my persimmon tree uh, and I'm weeding away all under it and round it and I noticed it's got collar rot. Okay, so collar rots, you know, that can be quite difficult to uh, to manage and get back un under control. Oh, dear. Yes. the And I like to use this word as well, a poultice. I bet Greg's looking at me I quite... I have no idea what that you means. You don't... A poultice, I, look, I believe it's when you mix up sort of like a paste. Yeah, I know what a poultice is. Ah, excellent, yeah, excellent. So now... But I don't know what to put on it. <laughs> so you need to make up a poultice of uh, copper oxychloride. So you go and buy a copper oxychloride from... Wait your... a minute. I have arthritis in my hand and I'm writing slowly. Copper oxychloride. It's, it's like a blue powder and when you mix that up, you can mix it up into a paste, a poultice, yes. if you will, and you can just smear that over the area of the plant and it sort of seals it up and hopefully it'll get rid of the collar rot as well for I you. I hope so because it's just starting to get small fruit. Now, there, there is another way to do that as well. There are systemic fungicides you can get. Uh, one of them is called Fungarid, and you mix that up in the watering can and you water that in around the root system of the plant, and it's actually absorbed up, and it can help with that collar rot as well. So, what was that called, fung? Fungarid. 
one word or two. Yeah, you're just one word, Fungarid. Yeah, so no, it, it, it might even be worth you actually getting both of those products and trying yeah. both ways for you. So there's sort of a you know a way where it's going to be absorbed into the plant, and also that that physical way where you're going to uh, you know you're going to just try and seal it up and actually um, protect that area from any future uh, fungal problems and the one that's there as well. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your help. Not a problem, I hope Sylvia. You can save it. I, and, and I hope the, the arthritis feels a little bit better for you as well. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. Thank you. No worries, Sylvia. We've got Sandra from a Toronto. Now, Sandra, we've got some problems with your hydrangeas. Uh, I have a problem. They're beautiful. Um, they're my first cuttings that have been successful. Yes. And they've come out pink. Oh, well, that you know... Unfortunately, well, unfortunately, or un, you know, unfortunately, 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 or, 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 or unfortunately, yes, <laughs> uh, your hydrangeas can change colour. Uh, so you, the white ones always stay white, but the pinks can change from either pink and then go to blue, or then go from blue and then go down to pink. And the reason that happens is because of the pH of the soil, the acidity or the alkalinity of the soil. So, Sandra, if you want to, you can actually make yours blue. Uh, you can go and get a product. It's just called Hydrangea Bluer, and it will just you know, change the, uh, the pH of the soil uh, to make your, uh, your hydrangeas blue. It won't happen straight away, unfortunately. You'd have to go and buy a can of spray paint for that to happen. Uh, but if you water that in uh, and continue to use it, you'll find that by next year you'll have nice blue hydrangeas if that's what you want to do. Yeah. That's all right, not a problem. But you've done very well taking those cuttings and uh, very, very good work on that. Thank you very much. Okay. They're beautiful. Excellent. Thank you, Thank Sandra. You. Bye. There's nothing wrong with pink flowers, though, are there? Absolutely not. Speaking of colours, yes. you mentioned colours a little bit earlier. I was going to mention colours because so, as blokes, I reckon we get a hard time about picking colours. I'd say I always go with blue, but... <laughs> what, for anything? For anything. anything yeah. You're safe with blue. Well, I think we're pretty good with the primary colours, aren't we? Okay, yeah, blue, yep. red. red. Well, I don't know what the other ones oh, are. I was, I was hoping you'd actually know what the primary colours are because I don't have a clue either. Green? Green, maybe. I failed art. Yellow, maybe? Yellow, yeah. Yeah, I think once you start to get in... Four. We're, just, we're just naming colours now, aren't we? Really, if you start to get to the hues, that's, White. What, that's, that's when you're out of, out of uh, touch, you know. So if you've got a, a hue of you know, red, that'd be pink. Yep. If you've got a hue of grant, that would be... I don't want to oh, say that. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we're not very good at picking colours. And the reason I've decided to get onto this topic is because while we were down in Melbourne, I found some absolutely stunning new geraniums. And one of them is actually called Rocky. Now, I can't, I don't think you'd ever see Sylvester Stallone wearing this, the particular colour that, that Rocky, the plant, the geranium yep. is. It's a really beautiful pink on the outside of the flower with a magenta on the inside oh, of the flower. Magenta's a bit rocky. I Didn't guess so. Red? I thought you'd be impressed that as a bloke I've been able to use the word magenta. Magenta, <laughs> yeah. magenta and also reference Rocky the same sentence. Yes, it's not well. done very well, haven't I? So it's a beautiful geranium. It's called Rocky. It's uh, got a fantastic pink flower. It's on the outside of the flower and magenta on the inside. A really stunning plant. There's, I also found some other ones down there. I, I've been talking about the big red geranium quite a lot of, um, you know, number of times. Yep. Uh, they've also uh, released one called Big Rose as well and strangely enough it's, it's a, a very big rose it's a very nice purpley sort of rose color and they've also called uh one big splash what's that it's uh, it's <laughs> sort of a pinky color as well but it's quite all very attractive now the thing with these the big reds the rocky the big rose the big splash they do uh, you know they flower very very profusely they are excellent flowers all geraniums handle being in the uh you know the very hot dry conditions that we can get around here mind you i was up at uh 
Tamworth on the weekend, yep. and I can tell you it's, you get around. it's hotter and drier up there. <laughs> and the flies, oh, I couldn't get over the flies up there. Oh, very good. Well, speaking of insects, it is Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. We've got Mark from Edgeworth. Now, Mark, you've got some problems with ants. You haven't seen how much ants I've got. Oh, if you've got as many ants at your place as they've got flies up there at Tamworth, mate, <laughs> there's, there's tr- <laughs> trouble happening out there at Edgeworth. <laughs> I've, I'm a real garden guy. I've got gardens everywhere. Yes. And the ant, like, for example, last at the end of the beginning of summer of last year, I put some strawberries in. Mm-hmm. I put a lot in. They went well. Then the ants came and destroyed the whole garden. You could tell all the bubbling up of the dirt coming through. I had wood chipped down. Mm-hmm. They'll come up through there. All my pots, I've got big pots everywhere with citrus in them. Um, the dwarf type, they've destroyed them. They just can't grow. Now, the reason I'm not thinking of using poison, the reason I haven't, because I've got three small dogs that run around all the time. Yes. So I'm scared of putting poison down. I don't want to damage, do any damage to the dogs, of course. Mm-hmm. All the concrete around, when I bought this place, it had lots of the um, pebble concrete around, um, the aggregate. And they've cut, they're coming up through every joint, virtually all around my, um, all my concrete, the ants. And they're not your black ones, they're your little, fine little brown ants. Ah, yes, yeah, they are. Like, yeah, I know the ones you're talking about, like a mini sugar ant, aren't they? Yeah, they're very, very small. They're half the size of like a black ant. Yep. Um, tomatoes, I tried tomatoes. Uh, no luck at all. They destroyed that as well. So any, anything I put above the ground in a pot mm-hmm. is gone. So what's what's happening there? It's when the ants build their nests in there. The water's really just running straight through, and the nutrients just running straight through. And that that's the trouble with ants getting in your pots. And even you know if you've got a, you know some plants and the ants get in there, they just start to build their nests and just makes the uh, you know it they almost, eat the root. Well, they they don't really do that. It's just the water just rushing straight through the soil in that area. It just becomes very sandy, and their nest is there, so it just goes it drains straight through. Unfortunately for you. Now there are you know the dusts and everything you can get. Uh, there's not much you're going to be able to do uh you know to get them under control uh you know without using some sort of poison unfortunately mark a a product that i've used in the past and i know it's not registered for this but it it does work very very well it's called penside Uh, most people get it to use on their army grubs or black beetles in the lawn yeah it's p-e-n-s-i-d-e Now, what I used to do with it is I'd mix it up in the watering can, and just when I found that ant's nest, uh, you just drench that area. So, for instance, you'd probably just mix it up in the watering can and drench through the pot until it started to run down through. Yeah. Uh, and if you, you know, you've got a garden bed where you know there's an ant's nest, you just drench that entire area, and it works an absolute treat. Uh, it does get rid of ants. Uh, look, I know it's not registered for it. You can get other chemicals that are registered for it, but uh, in my experience in the past, uh, the Penside works very, very well at uh, getting rid of it. It's actually got a, a chemical in there called diazinon, uh, yeah. which was used in ant... Um, and pets wise. Uh, well, if you just keep those uh, your animals away until it's dry, uh, yep. it shouldn't be a problem. So I'm not advocating, you know, that if you've got it, you know, you're, you're draining it down through the pot until it's sort of, you know, pooling all over the ground or anything like that. Uh, you just you get it through until it just starts running through, and then stop and see, you know, over a couple of days what effect you've had there. But certainly this is, keep your. This is how much effect it's had. Mm-hmm. A great big giant large ceramic pot with a a, um, a lemon, a dwarf lemon in it. It's sitting halfway down the pot now. The soil's just yeah, dr- disappeared. 50% of the pot, it's down right down the bottom of it now. Yeah, yeah. 
So the, the ants, can, you know, although they're not necessarily, you know, eating the plant or, you know, doing damage that way, the, the damage that they can do in under the soil can be, you know, quite quite dramatic. Uh, well, that's good news. Yeah. So yeah, if you just do that, it, um, it should get your ants under control, I hope, for you. Okay, thanks. Okay. Great information. <laughs> not a problem, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Have a good afternoon. And we've got Leanne from Charlestown. Hey, Leanne, how can we help you today? Hi, I was listening uh, to your last uh, caller about the ants, yes. and I got the name of your chemical you suggested. But did you say where you can get it from? Yeah, it's it's called Penside. Uh, look, most good garden centres could have it. I know we've oh, got really? it. Yeah, uh, oh, it's, right. uh, well, I just come to Sharps, then it's easy. <laughs> and, and it's it's mostly used for uh, lawn grub uh, for black beetle, but it's got this di- the chemical called diazinon in it, and it certainly works for ants. Uh-huh. I had never heard of it, and I assumed that perhaps you had to go somewhere a bit special. Oh, no, no, it's just, it's just one of those little secrets. Oh, my God, I've just given the secret away to everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you better make sure you've, um, you've stocked up extra now. <laughs> That's all I wanted to know. Thank you so okay, much. Okay, thank you, Leanne. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. Bye-bye. Now it is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 103.7. If you do have any questions for Scott Sharp, give us a call on 49 at 216 at 216. Now, Scott, you were mentioning earlier about pronunciation. Yes. And I think I didn't pronounce that wrongly. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I reckon I speak pretty proper, don't you? Reckon, oh, yeah, most, most definitely. Most definitely, yeah, yep. I think I do too. But you know what? No matter whatever, whatever whenever I go... See, now I'm stumbling. Yep. I'm, I'm getting nervous <laughs> now about my pronunciation. Whenever I go to Melbourne, I always get corrected about the way I've, I've said something. Oh, really? That's yeah. Victorian for you, though, isn't the, it? Oh, those Mexicans. <laughs> Just can't keep them down there. Uh, in, in the pre, in previously, I've been uh, corrected about saying um, pran when it's actually pran. Oh, I'd say I don't know what I would say. Yeah, well, apparently it's pran. Uh, there's another suburb um, out uh, out west. I've been you know corrected about as mm. well, but this time I was actually corrected about a plant name. And now it's another word. Were you for... mildly offended? Oh, <laughs> just a little bit, actually. I was actually. <laughs> now it's it's a plant named after a another name for a uh, rooster. Yep. I think you. Yep. You know. I'll, get, I'll get the gist of it. Yeah. Okay. And I know I've been called a bit of a rooster before in the past, but this one's actually not. It's called. I well, I, I pronounced it Chanticleer. It's a type of ornamental pear. I said, uh, "Oh, those uh, Chanticleers are beautiful that you've got over there," and the mm. fellow said. Oh no, it's Chanticleer. Oh. <laughs> Chanticleer, no. That guy is a rooster. <laughs> yeah, he is a bit of a rooster, isn't he? But I thought we'd talk about these ornamental pears because they are the Chanticleer because it is a quite a beautiful tree. Uh, they get about 11 metres tall, about 6 metres wide, a really beautiful upright uh, ornamental pear. They get white flowers on them as they come out of their deciduous time. Uh, a very, very great, um, you know, ornamental tree to have in a I guess in a confined spot they're quite upright so a, a nice uh, feature tree in the yard I was just mostly excited about the way he pronounced it it was very yeah not chanticleer no. which apparently is a French way for saying rooster or cockerel oh, okay yeah yeah so chanticleer. chanticleer chanticleer yeah so our pronunciation has improved has improved somewhat yes we sound a bit like an idiot though yeah like a, a pompous idiot well I found like it was, felt like I was a bit of a hick <laughs> When I was down there, like the banjos all started playing in behind me. But um, uh, nevertheless, anyway, I feel a little bit better now that I've vented it, vented my spleen about it. We've got Mick from Fern Bay. Hey, Mick. G'day, Scott. How are you? How can we help you, mate? Wait, just a little query. I've got a ponytail. You, you on your hair or in the ground, mate? <laughs> no, in the ground. Right, okay. In the pot. Yep. Now, do they actually flower? 
Yes, they do. They get sort of a, a white flower that comes will come out the sort of where the top of the head is. Uh, for, yes. Yeah, and that's that's what the flower is. I've I've had this plant for about ten years mm-hmm. in a pot, and it's just started doing it the last few weeks. Yes, I've never seen it before. Now, what happens when it stops flowering? Will that will that thing just fall off or drop off or? Yeah, you'll probably find there's a stalk on it, so you should it should drop off. But uh, you know, after it's finished flowering, you're probably best just to get the secateurs and, and cut it off clean, just That's for just for appearance because, sake. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't seen it before, and it looks sort of it doesn't look right because it's you know it's not straight up and down. It's sort of you know so, but yeah, but you can just after it stops flowering. Yeah, that that's fine. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Okay, thank, thank you very much. Thank you, Mick. I'd add. Do you, do you reckon ponytails look right on blokes, or what's your opinion um, about that? I'm not choosing to comment on that. No, we're short back and sides here at yeah. the moment. So, so we've, well, I'm going to say no. Okay. <laughs> not sitting on the fence there, are you? <laughs> no, not really, no. We've got okay. Phil now from Atumbiumbi. How can we help you, Phil? Hi, g'day there. Um, regarding your, your recent uh, um, callers about um, the ants in pots, I've got a couple of pipsqueak lemons or my lemon, whatever they are, in, in pots. I've got the same problem, and I, I know that the ants come looking for, um, you know, the suckers on the leaves, mm. but I was always concerned that if I put any poisons into it, that it would actually go into the fruit. Is that is that correct or not? That shouldn't die as an ons. Uh, you know, it's, it should be you, you can use that uh, on your lawn and everything. I probably wouldn't do it uh, when the, the uh, plant's fruiting or flowering, so I'd leave it be at that point in time. Okay. Uh, I- interestingly enough, I was, I was speaking to Yates today because we've found it more and more difficult to get uh, chemicals that will c- kill those bronze orange bugs that are, you know, so yep. prevalent on the citrus at the moment. Yep. And uh, Comfortor, of course, you know, works very, very well on those. And I thought to myself, well, I'm going to ring up and find out just a little bit more about this. And uh, Comfortor can be used on citrus to kill the bronze orange bugs as long as there's no uh, flower bud or any fruit on there at the time. Yeah. So I would think that the same thing's going to apply uh, for you there, Phil, that if you want to try and get rid of those, uh, you know, ants or anything in the soil of the, of the pot, uh, yep. that as long as there's no fruit or flower on the plant, then you treat it as an ornamental plant and you can certainly use that at that time. Oh, okay, then, because uh, the, the flowering's finished and... Um the uh, the small lemon of uh, you know they're only the size of a pea at the mm. moment but they've already started but I have exactly the same problem where I water it and down it comes through the same spot every time yeah so, yeah so I, that's really going to be the only thing you can do wait till that uh, you know the the fruiting's finished and uh, go from there use a, a, a wetting agent like saturate. Uh, yes. That will probably help make the uh, you know the soil a bit stickier, so that the water actually absorbs in a little bit more, and it might get you through that period until you can actually uh, get on and treat the ants. Okay, lovely. It's going to have to, I think. Okay. All right. Thanks for your Thanks, time. Phil. Have a nice afternoon. You too. Bye bye. Cheers, Phil. It is gardening talk back on two and you are FM and ants seems to be the big <laughs> topic this afternoon. <laughs> How are you, Greg? How can we help you? I, um, in regards to that, another guy, Mark from Edgeworth, about the ants. Yes, mate. Um, the best thing to do is tell him to get his pot plants up off the ground a little bit, put them on bricks or something. Mm-hmm. And you go down Lake Macquarie and get bucketfuls of the water and toss it all over the place. And that's the end of the ants. Oh, okay. So you're saying just, yeah, not not through the plants, of course, but just get use that salt water to uh, actually uh, get rid of uh, the uh, ants. In the concrete and the pebbles? Yep, okay. And the other thing, diazinon. Yes. Um, I used to run a sheep station, mm-hmm. um, 28,000 sheep. And that was the product I used to jet the sheep to keep the maggots out of them. Yes. And you use it exactly as 
uh, program on the um, label. Yes. Don't try to use double strings or anything no, like no, that. No, 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 that, no. That's something I always say to, to people, you know, that what it says on the label is actually the law. That's how the chemical's been registered. So always just use it exactly as it says on the label. Yeah, it's a really safe product. Yep. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye, buddy. Okay. Appreciate it, Greg. Lo- love your show. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Big fan there, Greg from Tarelba. Good. <laughs> We've got one. Three. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 103.7. If you do have any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And who we have? Andrew. Hello. How are you doing, Andrew? Not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, very good, mate. How can we help? Um, just ringing up to talk about my garlics. Yes. Um... Basically, half of them have turned out all right, and the other half have sort of split into about maybe 12, 14 different pieces and then shot out the top. Yes. So they, have, they haven't formed a full bowl. Okay. Um, not sure what is doing that, so I've done everything right. Mate, I, I would probably put that just down to the weird and wonderful weather conditions we've had, you know, recently. We're getting a lot of rain down oh. through the soil, and then, you know, it'll dry out and get hot. And often, yeah. often when a plant does that, it's just its way of trying to survive. It thinks to itself, oh, you know, I'm going to, you know, sort of spread my progeny out into the world. And, that, and that's what it does. It splits off yeah. like that. So I'd put it just down to being, uh, you know, that... that the hot, go cold, the hot, the cold. Yeah, and then, you know, drenching rain and it's just gone, oh, what am I going to do here? I'm just going to try and, you know, yeah. procreate and spread myself out, you know, through the world. And that, that's, that's how it's trying to survive. Right, that's cool. That's only, only one variety is doing that. All the others are fine, so yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's what, it's going to be climatic conditions. Right, awesome. Thank you very much. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you, Andrew. Bye. Now is Andrew. Now we've got Rennie from Raymond Terrace. You've got more insects. How can we help you, Rennie? Uh, yes, some problems with uh, my tomatoes. Yes? Something's eating them out. Ooh. I don't know what it is. Okay. I think it's got a lot of cocky... Cock, um, cockroach shit over black, little black blobs. Oh, that, yeah, that, that's probably what it's going to be. Uh, just holes sort of on the outside. Uh, they burrow into the skin. Yeah, look, you can also get, uh, the, you know, those green little caterpillars. They'll also do a lot, yeah, a lot yeah. of damage as well. The only way you can keep that sort of stuff under control is actually using a dust like Deris dust. Uh, right, okay, I've got some home. Yeah, you can use Malathon as well if you want to spray, but I think dusting's a good way to go. It provides dusting. a... Uh, you know, yeah. it provides that physical barrier, that coating, and uh, if it rains, you can see that it's gone, and you can go out and uh, you know redust it. Uh, redust it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's going to be the best way. It should kill the cockies as well for you if they're a problem. So, um, but yeah, it'll, it'll certainly keep, it'll certainly keep the mo- yeah, it'll certainly keep the moths and the green grubs under control for you yeah. as well. Yeah, last year though, I found good ripe tomatoes just with great holes in them. Oh, they can be little buggers. Those things. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Anyway, thanks a lot. Okay, not a problem, Rennie. You have a good afternoon. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Bye. Cheers. This gardening talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Ron now from Arcadia. Got some problems with some plums? Ron? Ron? Yes, Scott. Oh. Is, uh, mate, this is, a, this is a sniper from Arcadia Vale. Yes. I've got two Santa Rosa blood plums. I turn around and I put them in this bare-rooted fruit tree. Mm-hmm. I've never grown plums before. Last year, they had quite a few little plums on them, which I... I took off to sort of put a bit of growth into the trees. This year they're powering on, uh, but they've had no no fruit on them. Oh, okay. That sounds like there's probably been too much. Have you got them in a pot or in the ground, mate? In the ground, thanks. Okay, so it sounds like you haven't been uh, fertilising with, uh, you know, your grass clippings. 
uh, mainly dynamic lifters, uh, like a, that uh, Dynaford. Okay, so often those ones are actually, uh, you know, they're based on poultry manure, which is pretty high in nitrogen, and that's probably what's been happening with it. So you've got a build-up of nitrogen in the soil, which provides lots of that green leafy growth that you're getting, uh, but not necessarily the fruit that you want. And I'm always harping on about it. Uh, I know Jude was giving me a bit of a hard time about it um, last week. This is your potash. Yeah, this is my potash, but um, it's interesting we're actually speaking about plums because it was interesting to hear Jude speak. (laughs) <laughs> we haven't got plums in our voice here today, have we, Greg? No. no. But Jude, um, she, you know, she hassles me about potash, but in a case like yours, it's a fantastic uh, product to use because it's going to promote the fruiting and the flowering of the plant. Well, uh, um, Scott, yep. I've used a lot of potash Ooh, in the past. Yes. You can get the fine powder, you can get the granular, and you can get the liquid yes, potash. Yes, yes. Um, like, as, well, you know, you get one's a slow release, one's like breaks down lots um, a lot faster, but I'd never used liquid potash b- before. I'd give the liquid one a try because it's absorbed straight in into the into the uh, root system of the plant and then up in, up into it. Uh, even if you use it now, obviously you're not going to get that effect until next year uh, once right. you get the the flowering and fruiting again. Um, I'd, I'd just start building that up in the soil and stick away from nitrogen-based fertilisers. Yeah. Uh, you could even use a little bit of cow manure if you wanted to. Your plum's going to like that. Right, and yes. Give... And, yeah, I think myself, I like to say, I, I think I was a bit too heavy-handed with the nitrogen. Yes, that, that, that's probably going to be the case. And I know um, um, David, um, or a couple of people used to say, well, you can put it on, but you can't take it off. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good way of, of looking at it. I mean, you can leach it back down through the soil eventually. It, it sort of, yeah, takes a bit to undo anything uh, you know that you've done, and that's why I often ask if people have been using their grass clippings as a mulch or as, as uh, you know, they've been breaking it down and putting that around the garden because that that instantly you know builds up that nitrogen in the soil. So you know that that's something if you you know don't don't go and use your uh, grass clippings if you want uh, flowering flowering plants. So yeah, grass thanks. clippings right out. Thanks for that, Scott. Yep, yep. Not a problem. Thanks very much. Okay, thank you, Ron. Bye. We've got Lynn from Raymond Terrace. How are you, Lynn? Uh, good, thank you. Lynn, we're going how to talk. Are you? Good. How can we help you? Uh, look, I've got a native um, lime tree. Yes. Now, I don't know whether it's a, a finger lime or a, a round lime. Yes. Um, I've got it in a pot. It's in full sun. Oh, well, pretty well full sunshine. Um, it gets flowers on it. Uh, it'll get the fruit start to come and then they drop off. And I was just wondering what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> In a pot, it's I'd probably get it out of the full sun. Now, uh, finger limes actually come from a semi-rainforest type situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a pretty good botanical description for me. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded very. <laughs> it did in a type situation. <laughs> so, if you get your finger lime and um, put it into more of a shady spot where it's out of the afternoon sun, uh, it's going to do much better there. Now, when it's in a pot, you know, it just needs to be watered quite um, quite frequently, especially when it's uh, coming out in flower, because that's when the plant's going to get. If it gets stressed in any way, that's when it's going to drop any flower bud or any fruit. So, at that time, you make. Sure it's being really well watered. I think if you get it into a, uh, a shady spot, it's going to alleviate uh, quite a lot of those problems for you. Uh, now, I, I should have said this before, but I didn't. 
Um, I had it underneath another tree where it was getting um, northerly sun yes. for um, most of the day and it was in shade for the afternoon. Right. And it did exactly the same thing. So I thought maybe does it need feed or, or something like that? You well, know? in a pot, it, it would need some fertiliser and you can fertilise your citrus about three times a year. They're very, very heavy feeders, but at that time when they're budding, it's the, the watering of the plant's most important. Watering suppose. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, look, I'm talking every day or even twice a day if it's really hot and windy because it will just drop its its bud or flower and fruit uh, in a snap if you uh, let it dry out. Okay. So it was most likely my fault. I have been um, busy. So, yeah. Okay, then thank you very much for your help. Not a problem. Don't don't lash Nothing. yourself over the back. It's not your fault. It's, just, it's an all a learning experience. <laughs> Well, that's right, yeah. It's um, it's a fairly tall tree. It's about six foot tall. Oh, nice, nice. So, um, but it just won't get buds and flare. Oh, well, it gets buds on it, but no fruit. <laughs> i tell you what, if I make a mistake here, it's it's 20 lashes from Greg. It's t- it's terrible here in the studio. <laughs> no, you'll be right. Thanks very much, Okay, Darwin. thanks, Lynn. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I am firm but fair, though. <laughs> it is Guarding Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Loy from Fennel Bay. How can we help you, Loy? Uh some um, someone gave me a Eucharist lily yes. about um, eight or nine months ago, so it was very slow during the winter, but it's coming to life really well now. But something is eating the leaves, and by eating, I mean absolutely munching great holes in them. I've looked at the leaves front and back; I can't see anything. I've been spraying, but I still find that. The leaves are being gobbled up. Uh, Eucharist lilies are such a beautiful plant. I was given some by a very old customer of ours, probably about three or four years' time. Unfortunately, she's uh, passed away now, and I keep those plants, I guess, at the nursery. It's a bit of a memory, a bit of a memory of it, because um, nice old lady, and she really loved to garden. And uh, Eucharist lilies, uh, you know, they've got that beautiful, big, green, glossy leaf and that that stunning white... I wish mine had. (laughs) And they've got that stunning white flower that comes out. Uh, You're right, they don't don't particularly like uh, the winter very well. They sort of go a bit backwards in. I would suggest it's probably a a grasshopper uh, that's doing that. Often that's the insect of choice when you can't actually find it um, and you're having a good look for it. I've got them at work, uh, my Eucharist lilies, and I know the grasshoppers will come in and have a bit of a munch at them. Um, okay. So, look, there's not much you can do about that. You can spray, but unfortunately, you actually have to contact uh, the uh, the insect to uh, to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, so, and they're so fast moving, there's not much you can do. And Greg's looking at me now. Because I know what you're going to say. And you the way to get rid of grasshoppers is to get a pair of scissors and you just take their heads off. Clean, take their heads off. It's quick, it's painless. And it's barbaric. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm not a monster. <laughs> I'm not a monster. Right, but that would involve a 24 hour visit. Vigil, it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, so unfortunately, that's the only way to do it. Or, you know, maybe even can you move it to a slightly better spot where you can keep a bit more of an eye on it? Because they do like to be in the shade, so even a veranda is going to do well for you. Okay, well, I I shall try that. I shall try finding something where I can make a little protection to go over it. Look, very good luck with it. You don't even see them to buy anymore, so hang on to that plant. I'd say it's going to become a rarity as time goes on. All right, thank you. Okay, thank you, Lloyd. Bye. No worries. Is there any other way you can possibly get rid of grasshoppers? Oh, no, lawnmower. <laughs> that's probably a lot quicker. That's going to do a lot more. Damage. Oh, a helicopter. But that means you'd have to come in and sort of chase after them and spray them. And you can, oh, you can just see me making all the little hand <laughs> movements here now. 
That is borderline ridiculous. Scott Sharp, before we go, is there anything else you got for us today? Oh, it's hydrangea time. Ah, yes. Yes, fantastic time of year. Uh, they're looking beautiful. Whites, purples, blues, pinks. Uh, they're all out in flower now. Get down to your local garden centre uh, and uh, check out uh, the hydrangeas at the moment. Uh, next week, we might talk about Christmas trees. Yep, well, Christmas is four weeks away. Oh, I know. And yeah, my kids are giving me the hassle to get the uh, tree up. I don't have a real tree. I've got a fake tree. Okay, when do you put your tree up? Well, it's difficult because my daughter's birthday is actually one week before Christmas, so we don't like to celebrate stuff before oh, okay. her birthday, but she's actually quite keen to get it up. Um, so we'll probably do it this weekend, in fact. It's a, is that unlucky, though? Because usually you just put it up first of December, don't you? Oh, yeah, where'd you get that one from? It's... I, just, I just always assumed first of December, tree oh. goes up. Oh, okay. I thought it might have been the Irish in you that was sort of... 26, it goes down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're going next weekend. Um, so, you know, if a sort of a pal of doom and gloom comes upon me next Monday, you know what's happened. The Christmas tree. It's up. Yeah. But we'll talk about real Christmas trees next week, and that can only be a beautiful and happy thing. Exactly. And lucky. Well, that's probably why you put them up in December, if they're real Christmas trees. Oh, because you ah, because you probably wouldn't have cut them as you would have in the old days. Yeah. Like that Simpsons episode. Yes. yes. I was waiting for a reference of some sort. <laughs> Thank you very much, Scott Sharp. We'll talk all about that next week and the festivities of Christmas on Gardening Talk back here on 2NURFM.